Welcome to Elevate Louisiana's Engage Videocast. Elevate Louisiana was founded in 2020 to empower women leaders throughout Louisiana by connecting and educating them on the challenges impacting our state with data-driven nonpartisan solutions to make a better future for Louisiana. We are very excited to have our special guest, Secretary Sean Wilson here with us today. Dr. Wilson was appointed to be the Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development by Governor John Bell Edwards in January of 2016 and is now serving as Secretary for a second term. He has more than 15 years in the executive service of DOTD. Um, Dr. Wilson is also a member of the Transportation Research Board Executive Committee and is currently the chair of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials Agency Administration Managing Committee, which is quite a mouthful, but more importantly, is really a great honor for him. Um, Dr. Wilson earned a bachelor's in urban and regional planning from the University of Louisiana and holds a master's in public administration degree, as well as a PhD in public policy from Southern University. Welcome, Dr. Wilson. Thank you, Julie, and I'm excited to be here. We're really all excited to hear your presentation on the state of Louisiana's infrastructure. And uh, you can, I think, just start your presentation and we can talk a bit about it as you go. Um, since this is being recorded not only as a video cast, but also as a podcast, we'll work to ensure that the information is digestible with or without the slides. And then when we're finished, we'll take down the walls and we'll have our Q&A session. So um, let's just go ahead and take a look. I'll let you start your slideshow and we can just talk talk about what you're talking about. So I'll turn well, it well thank you, Julie, and thank you to Elevate for inviting me. Uh, it's always exciting to visit with folks all across the state and talk about something that's uh, dear to me uh, and dear to you, and that's our state's infrastructure. So if we can go on to the next slide, I'll give you an overview of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, my plan is to talk a little bit about our system because folks are always amazed about what we're responsible for. You're looking at DOTD, you think DOTD is only focused on what's important to you, but it's a much broader umbrella of what our responsibilities are. I'll talk a little bit about some of our big projects, talk a little bit about how we've innovated, and then I'll end the discussion talking about how we fund transportation uh, throughout the presentation and, of course, the fuel tax discussion uh, that's been underway for not just this year, but for this entire administration and for decades, quite frankly, because we have a 30-plus-year-old gas tax. And we'll talk a little bit about that. My next slide talks about uh, the scope of responsibility, and I'm going to hit these slides really, really quick. What it does is it lays out what we are responsible for. And I will tell you, we've got 4,200 plus people uh, working in the state of Louisiana at DOTs all across this state. Um, and we have responsibility for the following things. We've got about 16,000 miles of highway system. And for a state the size of Louisiana, uh, with about four and a half million people, it's the 10th largest highway system in the country. And what you will find is that we're unique in that we're the Department of Transportation and Development. So when I talk about other modes of transportation, please note when you compare us to other state transportation departments, we all don't have the same responsibilities. There are a number of things that I have responsibility for in Louisiana from a funding and management and strategic perspective that won't be the case in other places. 
And on that 16,000 mile system, there are 12,000 bridges in the state of Louisiana. That's the third largest bridge deck area in the country. And you should know that a bridge deck is much more expensive to repair and maintain. We're the sportsman paradise. We love our environment and we love all this water to go fishing and hunting. And guess what? You have to cross that with a bridge. And so of those 12,000 bridges, about 7,000 of them uh, belong to the state of Louisiana. The balance of them belong to local governments. But the department has 100% of the responsibility to ensure that all of those bridges are safe. And so it's our job to close those bridges and inspect those bridges on an annual basis. That's a very quick summary. About a thousand miles of that 16,000 miles are interstate systems. Uh, and they actually have a higher standard of performance that we're required uh, to provide by the federal government's rules and regulations. And here's always a good aside. The federal government does not build highways. When we built the interstate system over 50 years ago, they gave money to the states, the state builds it, they regulate it, they establish the policy, but the federal government doesn't do any of the construction on the state systems that you see. And the same goes for airports and ports and all those other things. So our next slide talks about some of the other modes of transportation. We've got 33 ports across the state of Louisiana. And that is significant, and it's not necessarily a strategic advantage for us in many respects, because some of the states that we find ourselves competing with for modal opportunities, they have two or three ports. That's it. We have 33 of those ports. And so we tend to find ourselves competing for in-state services among those ports. Uh, but at the end of the day, we understand that they're all you know, children of the state. They all have their uniquenesses. Some of them are deep water. Some of them are inland ports. Some of them are multimodal ports. And so they all have a unique characteristic. Here's what's attractive and entertaining about this. If you combine all of those services, we are a global port leader as a state if you consider it a port system. That's significant. That's important because it's a strategic advantage for us to grow our economy, ship goods, move goods, and manage the goods that we collect. We've got 69 airports. Uh, several of them are, co are commercial, only seven of them, I'm sorry, are commercial. The rest are general aviation ports. We've got six class one railroads. There's only one other state in the nation that has all six uh, class one railroads and there are a total of seven. Uh, we've got 2,600 miles of track and guess who's responsible for those crossings all across the state of Louisiana? You guessed it, DOTD. We've got 2,800 miles of waterway. That speaks to why we need so many bridges across the state of Louisiana. And here's an astonishing factor. We've got over 50,000 miles of pipeline across the state of Louisiana. And here's why that's important. When you think about all of the waterways and the roads that we build, those pipelines have to intersect with so much. And so when we go out to build a road, we actually have to relocate pipelines. And that's a tremendous cost. When you look at some of the upland states uh, in the breadbasket of America, they may not have but one or two pipelines traversing them. And so that's a savings that they get that we don't enjoy because we have to pay the price for a great deal of industrial production, oil and gas production. And then we have to manage that as well with those utility relocations. Those Sean, are some of the elements. If, yeah. if I could interject for a second, um, for any of you that are listening or watching that have not seen a pipeline map of Louisiana, you should Google a pipeline map of the United States and see that literally every pipeline in this country almost intersects right here in Louisiana. We are literally 
a spaghetti of pipelines. So that that problem can't be understated. And that advantage, I mean, it goes both ways, right? You're absolutely right. And I think that speaks to the historic nature of the importance of the Mississippi River in terms of the entire country. When you look at the Louisiana Purchase and how things are the way they are, they are the way they are because they got that way and that was the way of development. So those are some of the modes of transportation, surface transportation. If it moves, it falls under us. Pipelines, uh, fiber optic lines, railways, uh, aviation, ships, ports, you name it, if it moves, it's on the map. Now, what you don't see on this map is that we also have responsibility as the state regulator for Uber and Lyft. So we now have TNCs under our responsibility. We also have active transportation. So when you look at folks who want to bicycle, um, we are a lead in that agency or in that effort, uh, as well as other micro mobility solutions. We also have some transit responsibilities, not much, not where we need to be in terms of transit. Uh, I would love to make some major investments in transit, but we're not there yet. So those are some of the major modes. Now let's go to the next slide and talk a little bit about our operations. What we do at DOTD is we mow a lot of grass, over 50,000 acres of grass is mowed annually. Here's the here's a number. We spent over nine million dollars a year picking up over twenty five thousand cubic yards of litter. Just with the disaster that hit us in Lake Charles called Laura and Delta, we have picked up over three million cubic yards of litter just this year since the disaster has started. Uh, the disaster hit us a couple of months ago. We're responsible for over three thousand railroad crossings, over three thousand traffic signals a million traffic signs. And when you're looking at straight line winds in a hurricane and those signs bend over, fall off and fly away, show up at someone's camp, it's our job to replace them. We've got a thousand buildings in the state of Louisiana that belong to DOTD and 10 rest areas, all that we manage. And then we also have ferry services that we provide. So that speaks to a little bit of some of the operations of what we do. We have a low, low overhead. We're only about four and a half percent of admin in spite of all of that work and it's so low because the vast majority over 3,000 of those 4,200 employees are actually in direct service meaning they are doing the work of mowing repairing guardrails repairing bridges and those are not administrative costs those are direct costs now let's talk a little bit about the value of what that is because as part of infrastructure we talk about ports but let's highlight a little bit about how we operate our system beyond just taking care of it. So our next stop, slide talks a little bit about freight statistics. It's an overview of what happens in Louisiana. The port of South Louisiana alone is the number one port for tonnage. And in that type of port, moving heavy and big things is significant because that's a specialty. It takes some skill. Louisiana's second in natural gas production. It speaks to those 50,000 miles of pipeline that we have. Over 44% of the tonnage in Louisiana that's moved is moved by trucks. So when you talk about truck corridors and the big trucks that you see on the interstate, that's commerce. Think about that's not just going from uh, the, the warehouse to the Walmart, it's actually going from a manufacturer, it's coming from a port, it might be coming from a timber yard or, or a farm. And so 44% of the tonnage we see across the state of Louisiana is moved by trucks. 53% of our waterborne transportation freight is done on freight that hits the shores of Louisiana and vessels. We're huge in terms of tonnage for rail and of course chemicals make up about 50% of the commodities that are moved 
in the state of Louisiana. Whether you're looking at a train or you're looking at trucks, think about half of what we're moving are based on the chemical productions across the state in the river regions. Now, the next slide I'd like to talk about uh, really takes us into the budget. Um, and this is, is not where I wanna spend most of my time because there's some policy implications uh, of what we do, but it's important for you to understand the big picture of our budget. And we typically have two budgets for the state of Louisiana's DOT. One's a capital budget and another's an operational budget. And in the legislative process, there are two different instruments and they're governed differently in terms of how you procure it, what are the rules that govern it and what have you. So if we go to the next slide, you'll get a status of my 2021 budget. It's about a $2 billion budget that we're responsible for. And this is what I call the donut slide, basically. Um, the donut, if you look at it, over half of the money we receive, about 58%, $1.1 billion, is going to program and project delivery. That means that's money that we're putting out in our economy for the private sector to build, design, and construct some of the work that we're responsible for. And then you look at the green slot on our donut, that's the O&M. When I talked about picking up trash and fixing up traffic signals, we spend about 21% of our cost in operation and maintenance, and that's about $426 million. And that's a large part of that is actually the man and woman power that we use to make that happen. Then the blue part of our donut, this is the part that is one of the most frustrating things for me as secretary, is over 15% of my budget is in multimodal operations and debt service, about $316 million. It's not the multimodal investment, but it's the investment of the debt. And we'll talk a little bit about that on the next slide. And then you see the last little sliver when I talked about having a low admin uh, overhead cost, it's only 4% of my budget, 4.3% at $88 million. That's my salary. That's the pencils and the papers. That's paying the light bill for the buildings that we operate. Not much different than what you get in business. And so let's talk a little bit about the sources of those revenues on the next slide. Of that $2 billion that we're receiving, the vast majority of it is this large blue section called the federal fund, about 826 million dollars is coming from the federal government. Now, here's the trick. The federal government is just recycling your money. When you go fill up your gas tank, you're going to pay 18.4 cents of gas taxes that's going to go to the federal government, and then they're going to reappropriate that. That blue segment of the pie chart on your left is where it comes from. Other funds that we get or bond revenue, about $264 million, and that's a large element this year because we've started using Garvey bonds and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, so that's some of the proceeds from those Garvey bonds that we're using. Then the 16 cents gas tax that you pay to the state of Louisiana, that's about 594 million. Think about that. That's what you pay to the state of Louisiana and that equates to less than $140 a year on average for gas taxes for citizens. Now, every one of you have one of these things in your office or in your home, you're gonna pay close to that, if not more, depending on the program and the, the size of your system, you're gonna pay almost that much monthly for your cell phone bill. That's what you pay for your state's infrastructure and everything that you have in terms of your quality of life and your work occurs as a result of that 135 or $40 that you're gonna spend annually on transportation. And so um, there are a couple other pieces there, the Highway Improvement Fund, which is a dedicated fund, 
we generate about $66 million uh, in self-generated funds. And then you have interagency transfers, about $17 million. That's what the legislature gets to appropriate on a regular basis. Then you have on the right side what is called non-DOTD appropriated. These are things that just come off of the top that never actually hit my budget. $150 million is paying for debt service on the time program. That funded 16 projects, 14 of them have been built, and 100% of that four cents that we added to our gas tax is being used to pay debt service. The travesty is the debt service is really five cents, and I'm having to take one of those 16 cents pennies on the other chart and use to pay debt service because that's a non-appropriated obligation that I have to pay. And then we also give about $46 million to parishes. And then you have the Highway Improvement Fund, which is also debt, another $23 million a year. So you see $38 million on the left, $23 million on the right. Together, they make up truck and trailer fees across the state of Louisiana, and that's how we're spending those dollars. Some debt, some not debt. All right, now let's go to our next budget slide, and I'm going to wave my arm to make my light go on, if you don't mind. So I've got one of those uh, motion detectors <laughs> um, in my office, and it goes out when I don't move too much. So um, there's See, a means of financing. That's how efficient, right? <laughs> that is super efficient. Um, so our means of financing chart is just another way of looking at the budget. We'll have that, and I'm sure I'll send this uh, presentation. I already have it, as a matter of fact in case you want to look at it differently than in the pie chart form. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time right there. So let's go to our next slide and talk about how we're spending uh, the money that we're collecting. Now, when you think about infrastructure and projects, I'm going to spend 700 plus million dollars this year just in construction alone. 700 million. 420 million of that is going to preservation. 59 million is going to operation and motor services. And one of the things in that category is the map truck that everybody loves. It's one of the most popular things that we do. It's the state farm truck that you see driving to help you when you get a flat, run out of gas or have car trouble. We're spending $61 million on safety, $46 million on capacity, which is new lanes, new intersections, things of that nature, small program. We don't have an annual budget for that. That's usually one-time money. And then a whopping $147 million in debt. And then there's this idea of getting projects ready because it just doesn't happen. We actually have to go through a long development process, long lead time, and that's going to be construction engineering. And then there's this right away utility relocations and more detailed design. And so those are $54 million and $195 million respectively. Now, some of you may say you could spend that $195 and go get more work done. The problem is once I spend that 195 million in construction and I don't keep it on engineering, what am I gonna build next year? Because I'm gonna need those plans. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so that's how we plan to spend our money. Well, let's talk about some of our challenges in the system in terms of our funding. When I talked about those 12,000 bridges, 7,000 of them are owned by the state. And on the next slide, you're gonna see 4,800 are owned by locals. But here are the statistics on those numbers. And if she would turn it, I don't wanna start speaking before you see it, because if you look at the donut on the left, it speaks to all of those bridges. But if you look at the right, this is how we compare to other states. One, we have a disproportionate large number of bridges. We have 10 of the top 10 longest bridges here in the state of Louisiana. We have the third worst structurally deficient bridges across the country which means when you hear structurally deficient, 
It means there are things that are deficient with the way it was built by the standards of the time compared to the standards of today. And so you might have something that's structurally deficient that we will repair, but because of the design and the redundancy, it's never going to get back to its original condition until it's a new bridge. We have over 1800 load posted bridges, about 1100 timber bridges, which means those timber bridges will eventually uh, fall apart because guess what? They're sitting in water. While we might have creosote on them, they're going to sit in water for a little bit. Here's the astonishing number. I'm 52 years old this year. We've got 3,700 bridges that are older than I am. Think about that. They're on our system and they're typically built for a 30 or 40 year life. Bridge needs over the next 30 years, it's going to cost about $9.2 billion to take care of all of our immediate bridge needs. So the scary part is for our industrial sector, our commercial sector, when you talk about a load posted bridge, that simply means you can't cross that bridge because it can't handle the weight. And if you do cross it with more weight, you tend to accelerate the deterioration. And so when you see a load posted bridge, if you're an 18 wheeler, you should see that as a closed bridge if you can't carry your load. And we do have bridges that can't, ha can't handle even a school bus of children going to school. Those are things we need to invest in. And in fact, we have invested more heavily in bridges than we ever have in the history of the department. Then our next slide talks a little bit about the long-term implications of disinvestment. You heard me say that our gas tax is 30 plus years old. Everything that we own and purchased has increased over time. This would be equivalent to asking every one of you to go back to 1990, take the money you were earning, continue to drive the car you drive, continue living in the house you live, and continue with the entertainment and lifestyle habits you have today, but you only get the money that you earned in 1990. That's the same thing that's happened to us. And so over time, because we've not kept up with inflation, we've had backlogs increasing, meaning I've got deterioration on our system happening faster than my revenue increases to address it. And so the trend you see here is quite unfortunate. When I started at the department 15 years ago, we had a $14 billion backlog. A few years ago, it got down to $12 billion after the stimulus and some of the time program investments. But look what's happened since 2016. We started off at 13 billion, and up till today, our backlog for 19, 2019 is over $14.8 billion, which means it's going in the wrong direction. We will always have a backlog because everything we own is going to age. There is no perpetual infrastructure. And so when folks say we want to eliminate the backlog, it's just not possible because the time that it will take to replace it, what we have replaced new today will become old and need additional support 10, 20 years down the road. But, so, but, but when we might not be able to eliminate the backlog, but probably 15 billion isn't where we want to be either. Um, what you want to do is you want to manage your backlog and slowly address it. Remember, of that backlog, about $9 billion of it are just bridges. And so the idea that you have some sustainable investment that keeps up with inflation and keeps up with your deterioration will allow you either to break even or to reduce that number over time. That's the problem we have is I've got more bridges and more roads that are failing faster than I can repair them and replace them based on the revenue I have. 
Now, our next slide, and, and I, I'm going to try and go a little faster on some of these others. This background that you've been given is really a good part of understanding what the implications are. We'll talk a little bit about some of our accomplishments, but let's talk about the process. People say the legislature uh, and elected officials don't have the detail or don't make decisions and that it's a political process where, in fact, it really isn't. We have a nationally recognized process that is called a highway priority program. It is based on engineering data. It's based on science. It's based on information around the impact of the utility of that road. And you see here, we look at the condition, the type of volume we have. We look at crash records, which are super important. We look at the technical difficulties in preparing the plans. Um, we look at the population growth in the parish and the existing highway infrastructure to support that population. We look at evacuation routes. The governor also asked us to look at things like how we geographically distribute it to make sure I don't forget about Bastrop, Louisiana or Crowley, Louisiana, if I'm taking care of Baton Rouge and vice versa. And so we have a very balanced system. And if you look at it over a three year period, DOTD has nine districts that are based of contiguous parishes, six to seven parishes in each district. Over a three year period, all of them are receiving approximately the same amount of money based on our highway priority program. And that simply means this year, I might have a $200 million bridge in Baton Rouge. I'm not gonna have a $200 million bridge in the Shreveport region, but next year I might. So if you look at it over a three year period, there's tremendous parity around what's happening and what we're doing. The next slide talks a little bit about how this administration has been committed to infrastructure. And I am so proud and very happy to have been a part of this administration because we've been able to do what we've been wanting to do. And that's address priorities that have been in the books for 20 plus years. We haven't had the luxury of finding a pet project and doing it just because we wanted to do it. So under this governor, we have achieved more discretionary funding in the last five years than ever in the history of Louisiana. Discretionary funding means above that $700 plus million federal amount we get, we can go get some competitive grants too. And so we've gotten over $265 million in discretionary grants, never done before in the history of Louisiana, in part because of the right policy and our efforts to be innovative and creative. We've led over $1.7 billion of projects since 2016, impacting over 2,900 miles. The one thing I didn't tell you in those discretionary grants, you might have a billion dollars at the federal level for one competition, and you might have 25 winners with over 200 applications. Last year, we received the largest grant compared to anyone else in the country to the value of about $135 million for the LA1 project down in Golden Meadow. In year one of this administration, we doubled the Port Priority Program from $20 million up to nearly $40 million. We're at $39.6 million and Jennifer Marusak is on and she knows the value of that investment as the leader of the Ports Association here in Louisiana. Because out of every dollar we get, you get a return on your investment for investments in ports. We've also doubled the flood control program. When I became secretary, we were spending $8 million. In that same year, we had a 500 year flood and a thousand year flood. We doubled that to a whopping $20 million. Now. That's not a lot of money in the big scheme of things, but it's way more, three times more than what we were doing before when we saw the effects of disinvestment in flood control and drainage. 
We've launched the Comete Diversion Project, which was a result of the 1984 floods, worked very hard to get that fully funded. This was the first governor who ever sat in the office of the major general at the Corps, and I was happy to accompany him to fight for those dollars when the rest of uh, folks in our delegation were wanting us to go it alone and just abandon the federal government. They're paying for it 100%. And then last but not least, we've created tremendous innovation using our Garvey program, as well as innovative procurement. Design, bid, build is the way of the past, but there's design, build, as well as CMAR and public-private partnerships. So the next two slides, Julie, and I'm gonna rush to a close so we can get to some Q&A, really just highlight some of the big projects all across the state of Louisiana, whether they're interstates, uh, whether they're cable barriers, whether they're roundabouts. The next slide talks about other projects, uh, the government street widening, uh, revamping and road diet. Uh, you look at the Golden Meadow, you look at the Bell Chase project. So we've got lots of really exciting projects and you can just flip through those next couple of slides that'll get you there. Uh, all across the state, we're doing things. So no part of the state has not been touched by the success that we've had. And you feel free to flip through some of these slides, some high profile projects on I-10. Uh, we got over $100 million. I-12, another discretionary competition where we're widening that. Uh, our Garvey program is worth about $650 million on four projects, the Loyola Interchange, uh, the Bell Chase project, the Barksdale project, as well as widening the interstate here in Baton Rouge. Um, we've just done some really, really phenomenal things, and I am super excited. We may not have time to see this animation, but I'd love for you to take a look at it when you post it uh, later to see how the state's first DDI, a divergent diamond interchange, is going to look at the Loyola interchange. It's going to be super innovative. It's going to be safer, uh, and it's going to be first class. And so with that, um, we're working on things like the new bridge. We're working on the Calcasieu Bridge. We're going to propose a P3. We're in that process of procurement. Uh, it's received international attention and interest. Um, it's a bridge that's older than the interstate. Uh, and we deserve a better bridge than that on our interstate. Lake Charles deserves a much better bridge than what they have right now. The current bridge is safe, not attractive, not ideal, uh, but it is safe because that's job one. So with that, Julie, uh, let's open up for some questions. Um, I know we had some slides here that talked a little bit about the gas tax, and I suspect uh, we can come back to that in the discussion, and I'll refer to those in my responses, if that's okay. Yeah, and that's actually where I thought I would head first, um, because when I was in the legislature, uh, one of the organizations that I got very, very involved with was NCSL, the National uh, Conference for State Legislature. Chairs. So all the state legislatures basically buy into this organization and it's a just a repository for all kind of information. And that is not just for legislators, but anybody in the general public can go on and you can Google NCSL and their research on the fuel tax and see where Louisiana falls. You know, part of what I always did was research um, how does, uh, you know, you, you just Google things like gas tax by state and yep. you'll find charts where you find out that I know at one point a few years ago when I studied it, Louisiana was like very much at the bottom and I don't remember what number, but uh, well, it, let's, let's go back and look at a couple of slides right quick. Cause I've okay. got some of those graphics that'll yeah, show you. Great. If you go to slide 36, that shows you how long it's been since we've raised our gas taxes compared to other states. 
10 states have gone two decades or more without a gas tax increase. And guess what? Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Shreveport, the state that you're in, we're one of those states that's gone more than two decades without addressing, addressing our gas tax. 36 states have raised or reformed their gas tax since 2010. Look at that map in that dark blue. Those are states that have addressed that. And those are the states that we oftentimes look at and say, hey, they're the ones that we want to compete with. They're the ones attracting business. They're the ones with the progressive structure of how they're providing services. A big part of that has to do with their infrastructure investment. If you look at the next slide, 41 states have a gas tax rate that's higher and 42 states have a diesel tax rate that's higher. So we're on the low end. And I've always told people, you get what you pay for. You know, the federal government hadn't raised its gas tax in almost as many years as we have, but all of the states that we compete with, we have the third oldest gas tax in the country, complements of Alaska and Mississippi. In Alaska, because of their revenue sharing requirements, they won't ever probably address their gas tax. They don't need to. But the next slide shows you a little bit about how other states are charging their gas taxes. And again, we'll share these with you and your members. You can look at it, but when you look at Texas and you look at Louisiana, you're gonna see Texas charges almost the same exact thing that we charge, but here's what's different. Texas is also spending other revenue sources on the things that we use our gas tax for. Vehicle sales tax goes to the general fund. It doesn't go to infrastructure. Vehicle sales tax in Texas, it goes to infrastructure. Offshore revenue in Louisiana, it goes to the general fund. In Texas, they have a takedown that goes to infrastructure. Some of their rainy day fund guaranteed to go to infrastructure. Here, we have to fight for that. So when you compare us to other states, don't just compare the gas tax, compare the total source of the investment that's being made in infrastructure. Slide 39 talks about how we're lagging behind. Oklahoma, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, all of those states have adjust, adjusted their gas taxes. Alabama recently passed a 10 cents gas tax in about 10 days. It took them to do it because the leadership all agreed and they made bipartisan decisions and made it a priority. Arkansas last year made permanent a sales tax that is gonna now go to infrastructure. And then this last slide is a good way to open up a questions too, Julie. It talks about what's happened to our gas tax and the value of what we still collect. So that 16 cents in 1990, it bought 16 cents of widgets. Today, that 16 cents is only gonna buy seven cents worth of widgets. If you can go back to economics, that's a simple way of saying, it's only worth half of what it started out to be. And in 2017, we said, what would have happened if we had adjusted our gas taxes to keep up with inflation, it would have increased by 17 cents over these 30 years. And Julie remembers from being one of the champions and brave soldiers in the legislature that said, you know, it only makes sense to keep up with inflation because that's what AT&T is going to do, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, you name it. A bottle of water is not costing what it's going to cost or what it did cost in 1990. And my last, last slide talks about some of those things, college tuition has increased by 423% over the same time that we've lost 50% of our value. Look at a house. The average price of a house has gone from 1993 at 118,000. It's increased to 167%. 
to 315,000. Think about the movie ticket prices. It was four cent, four dollars. It's now almost nine dollars and ten if you're going to have a real nice movie experience. Bread, seventy-five cents. It's now a dollar thirty-five. Think about the average price of a car, $16,000. Today, that similar car is gonna cost you $25,000, increasing about 53%. Here's one that's not on here, is the price of a ticket at Disney World. A four-day hopper in 1990 was gonna cost 60 bucks. Today, you're gonna to pay over 400 bucks for entertainment for that same hopper pass. But our gas tax, it was 16 cents in 1990. It's 16 cents today. It was worth 16 cents in 1990. It's worth seven cents today. Not to mention the idea that a large portion of that is going to debt. And then you ask the question, why can't we keep up? And there you have it. Well, amen. Um, you know, and that, that's that's one of the things is um, it, it, we are the long, one of the oldest gas taxes in the country. Um, there are the states under us largely have other funding mechanisms so that gas tax isn't all that they're relying on. Um, and if we want to compete in this new global economy, we're going to have to have the class one infrastructure um, that business and, and the economies of today rely on to move goods. And we're moving more goods than ever. Because even yeah. when you buy something from a store, you're still ordering it online and it's not coming home in your little car. It's coming home to you on a big truck. You're right. And, and you know, in, in spite of that, we're, we're practical. We're realistic. We know that we can't get everything we want. And I'll be the first to tell you the timing is uncertain in terms of adding new revenue. It's never good to increase costs. But what we have done over time in this last slide here uh, talks about things that we have done to improve our efficiency and our operation. And all of these have occurred in my 16 year history at the department. We have been changed, we've been reformed, it's been done to us, it's been done by us, it's been done for us. We've actually made reforms and then undid those reforms and subsequent reforms. And so you see here a large chart that talks about the TO or the number of people, how we've decreased that every year and managed efficiency. You see how we've built in process improvement as a regular activity. And so I challenge anyone to come in and show us where we're not lean, we're not efficient, where we're not getting better, and we're making do with what we have, and we're living within our means. That is what a good public agency is going to do. We don't have a bottom line profit we're looking for. We're looking for performance, we're looking for production, and we're looking to make a difference and create opportunities for our citizens to work and play and live. And I think we've done that and we've done a phenomenal job at it. And we've got some tremendous support out there in this community and the communities of Louisiana to continue to do good work like we've been doing. Absolutely. Um, so we do have uh, several um, people lining up for questions. The first one has six votes, Dr. Wilson. Um, and it I have not read it yet, so I'm going for broke here. <laughs> so I know, right? Governor Edwards recently came out and said that he will not support an effort to increase the state gas tax. Why? Why is this? And would it? What would it take to get his support? Is that right? So the, the governor was asked about that, and he indicated that based on his conversation with President Cortez, uh, Speaker Sheck Schneider, and all the members of the legislature that spoke to their willingness to address this issue in a way that's going to require an increase. That's also an informed decision based on a couple of things. Assuming that uh, the federal government 
uh, has not provided any bailout for COVID. We're looking at a major deficit in the coming year in terms of the budget. Uh, we're looking at tremendous uncertainty with other expenditures that's going to create. We also have a very broad reform package that's being proposed that's going to have an effect on the state's revenue and uh, its fiscal position. And then last but not least, we have a Band-Aid called temporary sales tax of a 0.45 that's going to come off and create an additional strain on the general fund. And so you're talking about a governor who supported a 17 cents gas tax in 2017. We got our policy and our bill right. It was a bipartisan bill. It was the only bill that generated revenue that got out of ways and means in a bipartisan way. The House of Representatives chose not to act on it for various reasons. And as a result, we continue to do what our job is, which is to manage our revenue. I think there's always an opportunity to do what's right, and so does the governor. And I think given the larger issues of the state's budget and our obligations, uh, they're gonna continue to make decisions that are based on the comprehensive piece. We don't wanna compete against education and healthcare, which is a structural issue for us in the state of Louisiana. And I think there is an opportunity to do this, but I, I agree with the governor. Now may not be the best time, particularly if the members who have to vote on this are saying they aren't ready to do that. Okay, so I, I'm going to interject for a second here because back in 2016, um, when you guys proposed the 17 cents, yes, I was one of four um, people on uh, Ways and Means that voted just to give the whole House a chance to um, hear that piece of legislation because it would have caught our gas tax up with inflation at least. And people don't realize, like you hear one cent of sales tax, and you know that's 1%. But this is not 1%. This is actually a penny on a gallon of gas. So whereas sales tax that does penny, inflate with inflation. Generates, really, that penny only generates $30 million. Mm -hmm. I cannot build an interchange on the interstate for $30 million. And so put it in perspective, not just to what you're collecting, but what are you going to have to spend it on? And so. Yeah. You're right. It's not just 1% like on the sales tax. Well, we got in a whole lot of trouble that year, a few of us, for <laughs> voting for, and I take a minute to, 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 to remember Representative Steve Carter, who authored that bill, who, yep. who's a Republican legislator, and he just passed away. Um, and I don't know, it just feels right to give him one second of, of silence right now, because it was such a horrible loss in COVID. Um, but we lost Steve Carter just a, a week or two ago um, to COVID. But he authored the bill for you guys as a Republican. And there were four of us who voted for that bill and we got in a lot of trouble for voting for that bill, but I would do it over and over and over again because Louisiana needs to keep up and be able to perform in the economy of, of what we're in, the 21st century. Um, I think that if we could put politics aside and just do what's best for our state to move it ahead, um, I think it would make it a tremendous difference. And that's part of what we are here at Elevate is to hear the facts and to decide just based on a fact-based perspective, ignoring all the political, um, you know, edges, the, the left, the right, all the political edges, just what makes sense right there in the middle. Um, and it won't get any easier it, it no. and the projects get more expensive they get more complicated it won't get any easier and it's a result of not doing it when you needed to do it it was always let's kick the can down the road there's no more can left to kick 
Well, and, and, you know, the reason, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, put, put my spin on it, that the governor is hesitant to back a plan or to put forward his own plan to raise the, the funding for infrastructure is just because the backlash is there and it's the concern that, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try this, but um, can it withstand the political pressure? And um, I, I'm hopeful that this year we can do something to withstand that political pressure. Um, and I'll tell you, Julie, if you go back and look around the country, what happens with gas taxes and what people uh, vote on, 99% of the folks who voted for it got reelected, but it has to be the right policy. It right. has to make sense and you have to deliver. And in 2017, we had a commitment of here's 125 projects that will not happen this year, except for that increase in revenue. And we were prepared to move those projects to construction immediately. And so when you suggest that we don't have a plan, the plan that we put forth in 2017 was the result of good government groups, uh, business groups, uh, bipartisan effort. That policy is still the policy. It hasn't changed. And so just like our transportation plan called for widening, it called for Loyola and Barksdale 20 years ago, and that's what we're building, we're taking the same approach to policy because the policy solution doesn't change. What will change, though, is the dollar amount. So in 17, we looked for 17 cents. And if the number that we can live with is 10 cents, let's take that 10 cents and divide it according to the policies that we put forth. And so I'm 100% behind the policies of what we put in terms of 17 and the fact that it was put into a legislative bill because it did something that some bills don't do, which is keep up with inflation, make sure that there are no losers, make sure that there were rural and urban that there were bridges and preservation and capacity and safety, make sure that there were rail opportunities. It was the right policy in 2017. And outside of the timing dispute, there's also the consideration of the policy and the integrity. You know, we want to promise the community, uh, we promised them 30 years ago, we'd build 16 projects. We built 14 of them. When we leave this administration, we will have found a way to build one of the two unfunded projects to the tune of about $250 million. It's important to tell people, I'm giving you what I told you I was gonna give you and what we promised you. And so we can't go out and build a bill that cannot deliver based on today's math, what's in the bill. And that's a concern I have as an administrator is I never want to um, present false expectations. I wanna tell you what you're gonna get and give it to you, but I don't wanna tell you something I know I can't give you and then explain it later because then we're going to be back in the same situation of the department needs reform, you haven't delivered, and nothing's going to happen. Absolutely. Well, right. thank you, Dr. Wilson, for participating in today's program. And really, Absolutely. congratulations. You know, we really appreciate your leadership, um, both in our thank state you. and nationally. I'm very excited for your role in the agency with the extremely long name. <laughs> it's a real feather in your cap to have achieved that. And it's a feather in Louisiana's cap too. Here, here's a